Welcome to the Podglomerate. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or was just too hard to ask your partner, welcome to the Sex Wrap. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Sex Wrap. Excited to be here answering your questions about sex with one of my favorite people in the world. Sprig, how are you, Spring? I'm so great. How are you? I'm having a really good day. Like all kinds of good things are happening. Some of the things I've been working on for ages have come to fruition. I taught today and there were no tech failures. This crazy world where I'm on Zoom and face-to-face and online and it's my messy life today was not so messy. So I am feeling really good. How about you? <laughs> I'm feeling really good too. Um, I had just a lot of meetings on the internet today, just like every day, but they went great. So, you know, can't complain. <laughs> I mean, I do kind of like seeing people face to face. I even have flowers in my office, but um, I, I mean, it's just, it's a weird time to be in the world. And I think that we really need to start talking about some of the other weird things coming up in the near future. This isn't our question, everybody. This is the, are you registered to vote moment? Are you registered mm-hmm. to vote for this cycle spring? Of course. Um, yeah. And I'm pretty excited because um, we've got a lot of early voting days in New York City. So, um, and including like weekends and weekdays and um, daytimes and evening times, there are a total of 10 days that you can vote in New York City this year. So nine days leading up to the election and then the normal um, voting day. So I'm just, I'm so excited to see this, uh, you know, ability to really broaden um the, abil- the chances and the like the opportunities for people to get out and vote. Florida's a little weird. We have seven days to early vote from October 24th to October 31st, but then you cannot vote the first few days of November until voting day. So there's a couple days off between <laughs> early voting and normal. Vo- Florida, get your act together. And I'm I'm in you, Florida. No, but I mean, we actually have eight days of voting this this cycle altogether, which is great. Um, Evenings are a little bit different depending on where you are. But uh, I I mean, I think it's awesome to give everybody their opportunity to vote. Uh, Spring and I don't care what anyone's political background or affiliation is. We just want you to use your voice. So if you're listening to us, make sure you're registered to vote. We'll post a link um, on how to register in whatever your state is. In some states, you can vote if you're 17, if you're going to turn 18 in the next year, like within you know, X number of days or weeks of the election too. So you should really check that out. Um, and we'll also uh, post like a voter guide so you can find out about early voting in your state if you have it. And I think most states have it. I also think it's important to talk about mail-in voting, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to yeah. mail-in vote, there've been a lot of disruptions in the postal service recently. Um, my personal recommendation is to go drop in, drop off your mail-in ballot, um, but do it ASAP. Like as soon as you get it in the mail, fill it out and send it back if you're going to be sending it through USPS. Yeah. And um, so you're talking about like dropping it at the local elections office, which um, can be pretty challenging for some people also that might not really be um, accessible. And yeah, so I think, you know, early voting is a really great option to um, provide a safer opportunity for people to get out and vote. And, um, and if that doesn't 
feel safe to you still, then yes, definitely make sure you request your ballot. And the other really cool thing about requesting your ballot in the mail is that you can request it in the mail now and then still decide that you want to vote in person. You can't then send it in also. <laughs> you can't vote twice. But you if you request it and then you decide you want to go in person, you can still go in person. So it's not a problem to go ahead and request it if you're kind of trying to decide, do you want to vote early? Do you want to vote on the day? Or do you want to mail it in? You can go ahead, request the ballot so you have it, and then make that decision closer to the time. Do not vote twice. Uh, even though the president <laughs> is encouraging people to vote twice, uh, that is... A major crime where you go to jail for, I think, three to four years. So just, you only need to vote, vote, vote one time. Yeah. <laughs> we just we just want you to vote once. <laughs> just, just, just once. Yeah, but you can do it every year. So if you really love it, there's elections all of the time. <laughs> can we talk about one more thing before we get to the question for today? Depends. It depends. I, I feel like, I don't know what he's going to say, guys. This like always gets me worried. All right. What is it? I have, I wear a mask all the time and I happily wear a mask. So if you go to vote, wear a mask, but I wear a mask so much. My face looks like I'm 16 years old again. I have like a circle. There's of, nothing wrong with being 16. <laughs> okay. I look like my pubescent acne filled <laughs> self. Now, I mean, I, and I had it and I, I mean, I dealt with it and I felt like I was over that stage of my life. And look, I'm a grown up, and my skin is fine. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I have someone very close to me that also is experiencing a lot of mask knee and um, they're pretty upset about it. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's challenging to um, have warm, moist air all over your face all the time. Boy, I mean, there's all of these conversations about condoms and safety, like funny, you know, jokes I could be making. But if you're out there and you're wearing a mask, thank you for wearing a mask. And, you know, it's a minor inconvenience. It doesn't really matter. But the mask me thing is pretty funny. It just makes me giggle. I point them out and show them people like, oh, my gosh, look. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Seventh grade. Here we are. You know, I I mean, I love wearing a mask in public. I love that people can't see the faces I'm making. I love that people can't tell me to smile. I love that, like, I feel like I have this little guard up. I live in New York City. Also, there's a lot of bad smells walking down the street a lot of time. I can't smell the trash half as well as I used to be able to smell it. I'm like, I think this is great. Like, It's like, I don't know why I didn't think of this earlier. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of parts of it that I'm like, like no more hugs, no more touches, no more handshakes. <laughs> like, like it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Okay. So I just had to get it off my chest. Any listeners, if you're experiencing it, feel free to reach out to me. Like maybe I'll make a group and we can all just commiserate about how great we are for wearing masks and how we suffer with acne again. Or mask <laughs> me, as Spring said. Um, I really like our question today. Um and it, it, it comes from, you know, personal experiences that many people have had. It comes from questions that have been submitted. It comes from conversations that Spring and I have to have on a very frequent basis. Um, and it's, what's wrong with asking, are you clean? Spring, oh. are you clean? I mean, so... The implied question, what people mean when they say, are you clean, is do you have any STDs? And this question just like uh, makes my chest tighten. Like I, I, 
I have a visceral reaction to that question. It makes me so upset. And um, it's because when we say, are you clean? Then there's the implication that somebody who has any type of sexually transmitted disease is dirty. And, um, and that's a problem. And I mean, I, we're going to talk about why this is a problem, but I just want to say like, even without going into all the details of like why you don't want to shame somebody for having this sexually transmitted disease, like just to take a moment and pause, you know, we're talking so much more about equity than we ever have in our culture and stigmatizing people for anything in their lives. I think we're all coming to terms with like is just not okay. And stigmatizing somebody for a sexually transmitted disease that is something that they contracted through something that you are about to engage in when you're asking somebody that, like, is is pretty jerky. Like, <laughs> like to put it mildly. <laughs> it, it creates two classes of people. Like, when you're asking this question, you say, like, there are clean people and there are dirty people. And I'm only willing to have sex with the clean people. So if you're a dirty people, you're not worth me. You're not worth my time. You're not worth my energy. I'm not interested in questions about your past. Um, and I mean, I, I think sometimes people ask the question with good intent. I think, like, you know, we talk about sexual communication on this show all the time. And I think that people are really afraid to have conversations about the real question that they should be asking. Um, and a lot of people are really, like, they act offended. Like, if someone asks the question, like, it's not that that response that you have. Like, why are you stigmatizing? They have the, someone's asking me this question, and they're putting me in that dirty category. Like just yeah. even asking someone that question. Right. And so, yeah, I think that that's another really interesting way to look at this is that a lot of people do get upset upon hearing that question because they're like, oh, can't you tell by looking at me? Of course, I'm not one of those dirty people. And um, and as we talk about on this show all the time that you definitely can't tell by looking even I mean, half the people that have sexually transmitted diseases don't even know they have them because they're asymptomatic. So like much less could someone else tell if you have it. You can't even tell if you have it. So like what is this idea that someone should be able to know just by looking at you? Of course, you need to communicate. Of course they need to ask a question. Um, but yeah, the, the like taking aback that I have by this question is because I get very upset about the stigmatization that's happening. And, you know, we talk about this all the time too, but like there are real effects to stigma. Stigma is not just like something that, oh, it's annoying to deal with. Um, stigma has very real effects on the health outcomes of everybody. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, if you're in the heat of the moment or if you're about to have sex, and that's normally when people ask it, because of stigma, people are going to say, of course I'm clean, or people won't get tested, right? If you don't get tested, then you don't know your status. And if you don't know your status, you can say, yeah, I'm clean or I'm not dirty, right? Because that's that's the other side of that that question. Um, and, and I think it's really dangerous too, when we're, we're starting to say like, you know, I, I'm clean or I'm dirty, it changes the way that we interact with our health. It changes the way that we use condoms. It changes the way, like, 
it's just a very dangerous proposition to be asking. Also, if you're asking someone this question, like if they say yes, what's the verification? How do you know that they're being honest? How do you know, like, I mean, it's just the wrong question to be asking. And and I mean, stigma is a huge piece of it, but it's wrong for a lot of other reasons as well. Let's let's talk just about the stigma part first, and then we'll like move into these other parts. Like, I just want to talk about explicitly, like, what are the things that how is the stigma actually impacting health? And I would say one of the biggest ones that comes to mind for me is is when somebody says, um, are you clean? And there's a stigma around it. Then how is that stigma affecting us? Number one, that stigma can block people from going to get tested. So if there's so much stigma that exists around sexually transmitted diseases, people can be so afraid of being stigmatized, of being put in that dirty category that they don't even go to get tested. So then they could have infections, not know it, not get treated and be spreading them a lot more, right? Absolutely. And there's another big part of the stigma where uh, somebody uh, will accidentally spread diseases because they haven't been tested. They will say that they are clean regardless of the outcome because they are so afraid of being perceived as dirty. So not only do they put themselves at risk, they might put other people at risk, or they might be less likely to use condoms, right? Like if someone asks you that question, the other part is like, if you say like, yeah, I'm clean, well, then why do I have to use a condom, right? So it can decrease condom use for, for all parties involved. Like stigma has a lot of negative effects. Yeah. And so, I mean, It's crazy that like you can um, hear this question and think, you know, okay, I'm doing a good job. I'm doing sexual communication. I'm asking this. But then when we don't really fully realize the impact of our words, then we might not realize what how much this can contribute to actually spreading sexually transmitted diseases and actually really affecting the health of people. So yeah, really thinking concretely and like understanding how much stigma impacts health behaviors and how much that could um, you could be contributing to that by saying words like this. Cooper, if you had to take stigma and define it in just a few words, like what would you say just to make it like as easy for people to understand as possible? Because it's like one of those technical jargony words that everyone has heard and has like a kind of idea about what it means. But if if you could make it as easy as possible for our listeners, like how would you break it down? Uh, I was, I like had some words in my head and then I was like, wow, this is hard. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, stigma is this like, this thing, I want to describe like what it feels like first, actually, because I think that might kind of get to it. So like when um, somebody says something to you and you have this like, the hairs all stand up on the back of your neck and, and you think like, why, why do I feel so strongly here? Why do I feel like I'm being attacked? Why do I feel so uncomfortable? Like what is making me so upset about this? And you can't really name it. (laughs) I would say that's often stigma because it's like this cultural idea about something that is not, true. It's just like a value that culture has placed on some, whatever it is that we're talking about, that is like, uh, 
icky and that makes you feel bad. I mean, I think that icky makes you feel bad is, is really kind of what I was was thinking about. Um, icky, feel bad. And then there's some real shame and guilt that get kind of mixed in with that at the same time. And the issue with stigma is that people will work really hard to avoid that feeling of shame and guilt to not feel icky. And they'll put themselves at risk and they'll put other people at risk even if they know about sexually transmitted infections, even if they know like the how to prevent them, to prevent stigma, they'll they'll go. I mean, we'll go to huge lengths to prevent being perceived as dirty, right? To being perceived as icky, and all of the shame and guilt that come with that. Um, but we need to take a short break. We'll be right back, and we'll keep talking about. Am I clean? Welcome back, everybody. Today, we're talking about uh, what's wrong with asking the question, are you clean? Um, And I said earlier, sometimes people ask it, I mean, they're trying to be nice. They're trying to be polite. They're trying to kind of like skirt around the edges. Um, I think it'd be really useful, though, for us to spend some time talking about like, what should we be asking? And how can we practice uh, ask or, or model or practice some of those conversations. Yeah. And, you know, the real question that people actually want to know is, have you been tested recently? Because have you been tested recently? Then you actually know your status. You actually know if you have any infections or diseases. And otherwise, you don't actually know that. So asking someone, you know, their opinion of (laughs) whether they have any STDs is not actually valid, but asking them, you know, hey, when was the last time you were tested? That's a concrete question that you can get some real answers to. Just asking, am I clean? Um, If someone hasn't been tested, a huge number of sexually transmitted diseases, STDs, don't have symptoms for people. Even things like gonorrhea and chlamydia, for many people, no symptoms whatsoever. We can look at uh, herpes and we can look at uh, HPV, uh, genital warts. For many people, they have no symptoms, right? So asking someone if they're clean based on how they feel, how they look, how they smell, like the normal sensory ways that we sort of figure out if something's clean or dirty, it just doesn't work, right? So asking someone, are you clean? They can be like, "Eh, sure, I feel fine. (laughs) The real question is, when was the last time you got tested? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and spring's 100% right, but that question is hard to ask at first. And the other thing, you know, about being tested is so like I've had, um, I've said to someone before, you're like, oh yeah, you should, you should ask, you know, when's the last time you were tested? And then they followed up with, yeah. And were you clean? And <laughs> I was like, I was like, wait, I just said not to ask that. Um, and, and so it is like, okay, so let's say you were tested and you had something and then you treated it or you had something that wasn't treatable, but you managed it and you're like taking care of it. Like you, so like the follow-up to have you been tested is not like, and, and you're clear, you're clean. Like that, that still isn't the follow-up. Right. So like, how do we, continue that conversation like after asking like when was the last time you were tested i mean you can ask about results you can ask about risk you can ask about you know safety issues you can ask about stds you can talk about you know all of those things are healthy conversations to have after it um I mean, there are even like tech medical jargons. Like I have a clean bill of health. Like 
that still talks about that clean versus dirty. I mean, doctors and nurses still t- talk about people as clean or dirty as well. So it's changing that conversation to like, when was the last time you were tested? And then do you want to compare? Or like, I mean, I'm fine with saying like, hey, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Um <laughs> There's other things that need to go on too. So after someone's been tested, the next question needs to be like, well, have you had any unprotected sex or have you had any sex with people since you were tested as well, right? Mm Because testing only shows what happened up till that point, right? If someone got tested two weeks ago, but they've continued to engage in whatever sex practices with other people, like those test results are already out of date. Right. And I think that that's the main thing that we need to talk about is that you never actually know all of the behaviors that somebody has engaged in, you know, since they've been tested. And, you know, that's why it's so important to be using different forms of protection and to make sure that you are using condoms, using gloves, using um, dental dams, you know, all of these things that help protect you from transmitting STDs. Not that there's anything wrong with getting them, but they're a pain because you have to treat them. You have to like work with them after. So it's just like, yes, there's nothing wrong with them and we might as well prevent them and think of all the ways we can do that. And so that's why it's like, it's so interesting to me, you know, that people even say like, are you clean? And then not even follow up with anything and then just be like, okay, let's not use a condom then. And it's like, whoa. (laughs) It almost feels like people would prefer to contract an STD than to talk about preventing an STD. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I want to do two things. I think one, like let's uh, talk through like the best, best questions to ask, like a little series, best questions to get through. And then also let's brainstorm some other ways to kind of um, say some of those ifs, if some of those questions feel too hard for you. Because I think that a reason that a lot of people resort to saying, are you clean is because it has this like, it, it sounds nice. It sounds, it sounds easy. Like it's a, you know, it's an easier conversation to have. So how can we also then make that easier? So, okay, let's start with like, um, what exactly we asked. So first we say, when was the last time you were tested? Oh, well, and, and then like, have you, uh, had sex with anybody since like that? That's sort of the, the category that you go. Um, and I mean, there's, it, depending on how brave you are, uh, you can even ask to see someone else's test results. I don't think that's too invasive uh, if you're going to be having sex with that person. I think, you know, if they're being honest with you, that's the kind of document that you you should be willing and able to share. But you'll get that with age. Like the more you practice, the easier it gets because it's about caring about your own safety and the other person's too. But OK, first question, when was the last time you were tested? And then have you had sex since? Well, we forgot what were the results. So have you been tested? What were the results? So either they can tell you or show you however they feel comfortable sharing that information. Were you test- When were you tested? What were the results? And then, yeah, what have your behaviors been since then? Right. And we're kind of talking about these in a very clinical sense. You can make them a lot more comfortable for yourself. Um, like, which sexual behaviors have you been in? Like, no, have you had sex with anybody? Have you been doing anything or kind of the same kind of questions that you should ask. Um, I just want to point out something that I didn't say in this episode about this question. Um, I think this question, like, are you clean, is a dirty question because most of the time this question is asked before someone tries to have unprotected sex with you, right? 
And when someone asks you that question, most of the time, you know, it's time to pony up and use a condom. Like you need to use a condom. Yeah. I think it's funny that, you know, a lot of times people are trying to figure out if, if you need to use protection, right? Like in their minds, they're thinking, okay, if you don't have any sexually transmitted infection, then I don't need to use protection, which isn't the case. You do need to use protection for a lot of reasons. Um, most of which we've already talked about on today's show. But yeah, the point is you should be using a condom anyway, really, unless you're in a long-term committed relationship where you've both been tested. Absolutely. Um, so people have a lot of problem with these kind of conversations. And I think the number one reason people like run into this issue is they have it at the wrong time, right? When should we be having this kind of conversation? Way before we get to... I was going to say the bedroom, but you don't have to have sex in a bedroom. But way before you get to the point where you're about to have sex. Right. Before the clothes come off, before you see the person that day, before like, you know, this is a conversation that should start really early. Um, so and, and I mean, our whole series, our whole show is about sexual communication. So if you get better at sexual communication, this conversation is easy. So I think that one of the things that you should do is practice having these kind of conversations. Um, whenever I have something that I don't want to say, or if I'm practicing, or if I'm, I think I'm going to be nervous, I talk to myself out loud. It's kind of, I don't know, it's my <laughs> own style. Um, but I'm like, okay, Porter, here we go. Let's have this conversation. And I practice, I model it. Um, so you can practice with yourself, you can practice with friends, but there are some other things that you can do that might take some of the pressure and tension out too. Like, uh, you could take it to text. A lot of people feel that they have much easier, difficult conversations during text. And that's because it's asynchronous. Like you can think about your responses, you can pause, you can really put some effort into a response. If you're just having a conversation with a person, you're on the spot and you already have to sort of know what's going to go on. Um, but you can take it to text. Note, this is the worst time ever to ghost somebody. If they text you your results and you don't respond back, you're going to damage them forever and they're never going to share the results with anyone ever again. So just be really careful because for the person you're talking to, they're probably not used to it either. So if you want to have a text conversation about this, I would first um, start off by asking the other person, um, is this okay time to text for a little bit? I want to like text about something. So ask for permission um, to like have a texting conversation because you know sometimes you send a text and somebody can't get to it for a while and this is a time when you want to be able to be on your phones at the same time and kind of have an ongoing conversation that isn't spread out over you know several days or several you know, several, several hours or something. So there's no conversation I want to spread out over multiple <laughs> days. Yeah. So I would just say, you know, Hey, I want to text with you about something like, do you have a few minutes before you send that first text asking about their test status? Absolutely. So once you've had the conversation, I think there are a lot of benefits. Um, this conversation helps you weed out some people that you might have been really gung-ho for at the beginning. And you realize that if they're not willing to have it, or if they're being really secretive about it, that they don't care about your safety and your health, or their own health and their own safety. I mean, it, I don't want to say it's a litmus test that says yes or no, you would ever have sex with that person. But certainly, when we start talking about this, uh, question and having the conversations around it, it, it helps you figure out. It's a powerful tool that you can use to keep yourself safe. I mean, I, I think it's a really great set of questions. And the more you practice it, the easier it gets. And eventually you get to a point where 
uh, this person's being really sketchy and I don't think that I want to do anything with them because I think I'm putting myself at risk because that's really what we're talking about with these questions. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, if somebody responds badly or if they get angry or if they get really defensive, those are just really good clues for you to understand that person better. And I like this idea of thinking very carefully about who we have sex with. And just because you're considering having sex with someone doesn't mean then that you have to have sex with them just because you have considered it and you've like maybe talked about it or thought about it. There is always an opportunity to say no. And there's always an opportunity to say, actually, I really didn't like how that person responded to these questions I posed. And that means I probably won't want to have sex with them. <laughs> I, I mean, absolutely. Now, I, on the other side, the positive side of these questions, right? Like we can pretty much guarantee you that if you have these conversations ahead of time and you feel safe with this other person and you feel like they care about your health and you care about their health and you care about safety, your sex is going to be better, right? You've already covered so much ground in terms of sexual communication that the actual sex will be better. You'll enjoy it more. They'll enjoy it more because it gets rid of so much angst. It gets rid of anxiety. It gets rid of fear. And I mean, I, 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 mean, I hope that's the kind of sex that people are having, right? Low anxiety, low fear, really fun, high communication sex. All right. Anything else to add today, Dr. Cooper? I think we're at the end. So uh, I gave my tip a little bit earlier today. I think this whole episode is a tip about sexual health and sexual communication. Um, but really for me, uh, the tip is ask questions. And if somebody gives you kind of sketchy responses or you feel put off by what they said, don't have sex with them. You know, like this is not somebody who cares about your safety. And that's great. Like, you know, and you can move on because there's plenty of fish in the sea. Well, not really because of climate change and all the terrible things we're doing to the oceans, but there used to be plenty of fish. There are many, many, many people for you to date and enjoy. There we go. <laughs> yeah. And I think um, I want to go back to that practicing one. We talked a little bit about it, but you know, um, set up a time to like practice some of these conversations with your friends and like talk through, um, have your friends play different roles out and have them say like, you know, okay, react really badly this time, or tell me that you had an infection this time. And then let's talk about what happened after that. And like go through different scenarios and practice how you'll actually respond to different things that somebody would say so that you feel really prepared. Yeah. All right, everybody. So thanks for listening to today's episode. If you have any follow-up questions or any other questions about sexual health or relationships or love or sex, anything at all, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can email us your questions. We're thesexwrap at gmail.com. You can call us at 413-I-RAP-IT. And uh, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Sex Rap. That's rap with a W. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school or just too music for this episode provided by the ever elusive and mysterious breakmaster cylinder the podglomerate a sonic universe